So uh, today we're coming around that uh, Bible passage that we just looked at with the kids from Psalm 105, where God's faithfulness uh, lasts across generations. And so uh, there's two truths that I just want to pull out briefly from this. And one is that, you know, the words of this psalm, this song, are meant to um, bring us to a point of uh, gratitude. You know, that we can say God and celebrate God's faithfulness and say, God, you have been good in our lives. And we see that some of you will come from a a long and rich heritage of um, the family before you have followed Jesus passionately. And so some of you were born into a Christian home where you're like, oh, this was such a blessing where, you know, you you just like from day dot, you, you knew what it was to experience the love of a Christian family and, you know, come to know Jesus for yourself. Uh, not everyone has that story. For some of you, like you, you are the first person, like first generation in your family to choose to follow Jesus. And that's a wonderful decision. And, you know, we've got so many people like that across the life of our church where, you know, journey alongside each other where we go, you know, their, their prayer and their heart is that others in their family would come to know Jesus for themselves as well. And so that's the second point that the psalmist wants to get our attention and see is that we can live with expectation, Because God's faithfulness is not only for here and now, but will go beyond us and go beyond our years. And like Megan said, into the lives of our kids and our hypothetical grandkids or whatever, you know, whatever your situation, it's hard to imagine. But God's faithfulness is not only here and now, it is before us, with us now, and will go beyond us, which is we can put our hope in that. That's exciting that God will continue uh, to work. And so uh, today we're going to share some, hear some stories. Uh, from these guys who are like, I feel, did anyone grow up in a Baptist church or a church of Christ where there were people on the platform for the whole service, like the readers and stuff? I feel like I'm going, some people are just like, what are you talking about? The rest of us are just like, yeah, I've had that. So the readers are behind me. Which one of you is doing the Bible reading? Whoever, I'll give it a go. Great. That's good. Anyway, um, one thing that we really value as, as a church is investing in um, young people and helping them follow Jesus passionately and equipping them, especially um, lead, young, young people who would say, I feel like God's put um, leadership upon me to lead in whatever sphere that may be, uh, school, university, workplace, hobbies, that kind of thing. And so uh, today, normally Pastor Matt will have us coming around kind of one clear theme. Um, today, we're going to bounce around a little bit as we hear different stories. And so I invite you, if you are old school and you bought a pen and paper, you might get ready to jot down a note. More likely, if you've got your phone with you, I encourage you to have that handy because these guys might share something. Well, we believe that God, they will share something that actually God wants to um, put into your heart today. So why don't you put, put your hands together for these amazing crew, three of our interns. And this is Jess, Megan and Josh. And now I'm going to fire some questions at these guys this morning. Megan, uh, one of the things that we do as part of our internship is we've got weekly teaching sessions. Would you share with us something that has stood out to you uh, when we gather on a Sunday afternoon that's really impressed you? Yeah, of course. Um, This is a line that Stu Duncan said, and I don't necessarily even think it was like very specific to the content we were covering that week when we were doing our intern session, but it was pretty much something along the lines of what are you doing every day that if God didn't show up would still succeed? So pretty much like how dependent are you on God? And I just like really stopped and pondered about this question and I was like, wow, like I just don't want to be doing anything without God. Like, I don't want to be getting up and making breakfast if I haven't invited God into that situation. Um, And that kind of, um, around the time Stu said that, I also had this um, 
particular Bible verse on my heart. I think it was, um, and it was pretty much like these verses along the lines. I think it's in First Corinthians four to seven. It says, um, "Oh, sorry, Josh, that's one I'm talking about later. My bad." Um, <laughs> um, but this verse is pretty much just saying, "If everything is a gift from God, why do we boast as if we've received it?" And so, like, if every breath we have is a true gift from God, why would we be doing anything that isn't used to glorify God? So, yeah, that's probably just been a key takeaway that I've really enjoyed Um, and just like exploring how I can be going deeper with God and making sure he is part of everything he is with me when I'm at breakfast he is with me when I'm driving in the car or having conversations with my siblings or whatever that may look like just making sure I can just acknowledge his presence everywhere yeah that's cool Uh, you were sharing with me an example of that where you jumped on um, after work you jumped on the train would you just share briefly about that yeah, of course. Um, and so I feel like, well, Jono um, mentions this particular example, but I feel like I've just recently been praying prayers, just for, um, yeah, just asking God to lead my prayers. And one day I was catching the train home from work and I just had on my heart for God to just, I just prayed. I was like, God, if there's a single person on this train um, that I know that you want me to sit next to, just make it happen. And I was like, okay, like I hop on this train and it's like absolutely packed. Um, and I like go, I'm walking down this particular train carriage and I almost sit down probably about like half a dozen times but I just like something within me is just like no you've got to keep going um and I see this vacant seat and this girl and like she's facing away from me and I'm just like okay I've committed this is where I'm sitting and like as I'm putting my bag down and going to sit down um it's a good friend of mine Chloe Chang so some of you may know her but she's um a part of our church community out at the Barrow campus and it was just so exciting I was like damn god I was like you just put it on my heart to pray that and here I am sitting next to my friend Chloe like the only person I would know on this train right now and so um for me it's just like those really little things like seeing God at work in the deep details that builds my faith and just gives me so much joy because he cares about the most like detailed part of your lives like there is no detail that God does not care about like he cares about who you're sitting next to on the train like he cares about what you're doing with every second of your day and for me my faith increases exponentially with those little things and just seeing him at work every day that's cool that's great so you're in this real season of you know, um, exploring like and being open to God, like what um, in the in the moment, like the little detail. Now, Josh, um, different kind of season for you. Would you give people a bit of backstory? Because you you like you're pretty rusted on at One Hope. Like you grew up here at One Hope. Tell people a bit about your family and you know also about how the kind of last couple of years have been for you, mate. Yeah, sweet. So yeah, I was I've been here 22 years and I'm 22 years old. So. Um, got baptised into the church, oh, dedicated into the church and my grandma goes and I've got a bit of family who at Barrow AM campus rock up, cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff. So, yeah, I've been blessed to grow up with a supportive, um, yeah, people around me and, yeah, I'd say I'm a product of the good people that I've been around, like the, the good guidance and I've seen, like, um, when I was about 15 to 18, that crucial time of my life, like, I had a youth um, youth pastor, Steve Wright, and youth leader, Sam Hicks, who, um, yeah, I watched what they did. I watched how they lived um, and, well, yeah, stayed amongst those good people and they were able to, yeah, pray over me and um, speak into my life and, yeah. Um, yeah. Last year, moved out of home and, yeah. Like my, a big boy. Like a hey. real big 21-year-old, <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, and I've been married for three years by the time. Anyway, different story. <laughs> go, you go, oh, you go. Anyway. 
all right. But yeah, my faith, as a cliche is, um, you grow up in a Christian home and you may be sheltered and then you go out to the big world and it's either you find your own independent faith or it's a bit shaky or whatever. But yeah, I went to a Christian camp and lived with five, five other Christians. They were 18 years old and I was 21. That was a good, it was a good time, a bit of fun. But um, yeah, my, my faith became very much my independent faith. And I, through the COVID lockdowns last year, I was able to, yeah, rock up to church online. Like, it wasn't an easy year, but through it, I had that joy. You know how you, like, you wake up and it's, like, an easy choice to, oh, I'm just going to read the Bible 10 minutes or whatever. You just, it's a, you put on the worship music and you're like, yeah, this, this is kind of easy to make that choice. So, yeah, um, yeah. That's good. That's good. And I believe we've got a couple of photos of you. The first of you sh- showing off your um, sporting ability here from memory. Oh, look at this, little Joshy Mills. Yeah, number 40. And uh, this second photo here is, um, okay, so here's your mum and dad and sister and her husband and also Nan. And so, um, and the Queen in the background I see there too. Okay. Um, but now... I don't think it's widely publicised, but you um, kicking around a bit with your nan and catching up for a cup of tea. Just tell us a bit about that. Well, mum said go fix Nana's foxtail, so I went over. That was originally the, the plan. But yep. no, nah, I um, went over for dinner at Nana's. We've caught up just twice, just a couple of times since I've moved back from the camp and living in warm ponds. And yeah, um, yeah. hanging out with Nana, is a, I know the encouragement that I am to her when I spend time with her. And I, yeah, I love my nana. She's a big encouragement to me. She leads Bible studies, does a, a few prayer sessions a week. She's led our family, like all the grandchildren. And, um, yeah, she, yeah, she lives her life. And I, I see the very big importance on, like, intergenerational mingling. Like, uh, there's things that she's gone through in her generation that I wouldn't know about. And, yeah, why wouldn't I, like, sit and listen to someone who's done the journey of faith before me? And, yeah, I, yeah, that, I'm so big on that. I, like, we've got a cohort of young adults that rock up to Sunday night church, and we all hang out, and I love it when I see, like, a Robbie Spicer or Georgia Pearson just hanging out with us and um, connecting with us and hanging out. So, yeah, encouraged. We love it when, like, young adults camp. We had a bunch of elders um, come and pray for us and just spend a bit of time with us. So... Yeah, big encouragement. We love it when that happens. So That's yeah. good. And that, that's the thing that we're talking about, aren't we, this morning, like that multi-generation thing where God is so faithful through the generations. It, do, it doesn't hurt that you're, like, Nan won't say that you're the favourite grandchild, but I'm sure that's probably what you would... Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, there's two options, <laughs> me and my cousin, but yeah, no. Nah. It's you? It's the whole cabinet, Josh. It's just all me and then all the others. Are... <laughs> nah, not at all. Nah, nah. You know, and I will say... Um, so Josh's mum, Robin, works in the church office. And so, like, you don't know this, but on occasion, like, your, your nan will come in and she's so constantly talking about, you know, what, what God is doing, like, in big ways and small. And then I work with um, Josh's mum and then, like, I hear the similar themes come through her, celebrating what God has done. And then we hear it now too. Like, I love that God is so faithful in, like, wanting to invest and seed something in our families um, wherever we're at, that we, like, that he would be glorified because of what he can do through generations. Thanks, Josh. Now, Jess, um, you um, tell us a bit about your experience over, like, well, Blue Moose. Like, that, make, well, that name will make not a lot of sense to a lot of people. Would you tell us a bit about that? Because that was quite formative for you um, over summertime. 
sounds like a unicorn, hey. <laughs> Real, but like not quite, you know. Um, so Blueberries is a really awesome outreach uh, camp that runs over summer and winter. They have lots of different locations, mainly based in Victoria, I'm pretty sure. Um, where their heart is just to invest into the locals during the school holidays, the local youth and young adults, um, give them something to do other than the dodgy stuff they'd probably be doing if we weren't there, but also give opportunities to holidayers. Um, and yeah, it's a place where lots of young people can come and serve. Um, we get to show them the love of Christ through our actions, through the way we interact with them. Um, but we also get to share testimonies with them of how we've come to Christ ourselves. So, yeah, it's a really, really awesome program. Mm. And I just um, helped co-lead a plant in Lakes Entrance this past school holidays. That's cool. And um, you were sharing with me about how you had a moment where you were looking at... Because how old are you? 20. 20. Um, you, were, you referred to um, looking at some young people, like, you know, and you get to an age and everyone feels young, right? Like, um, but they were like year 10 or year 12, like you looked at them and I felt like when you said that, like God was opening your eyes to something really important. Would you share that with people? Yeah, so I guess um, I haven't been a youth leader for very long. I graduated in 2020, so two years. Um, I've been aware of like the potential our young people have to serve Christ and serve the church. Um, I'm, like, I know that's there, but I guess I've had this point of view on ministry, um, of youth ministry, without even realising it, that our job as youth leaders and as their mentors is to equip them for when they become adults. That, that stage of life as a teenager is all about preparing yourself for ministry and outreach when you turn 18 and God just completely flipped my mindset of no these young people are capable now um, to go out into their community and be witnesses where they're at. Mm, that's so good and I think you I'm not sure if we've got the um, line that you shared with us when we caught up where um, you said something like you know um, not expecting young people to be adults but equipping them to be disciples of Jesus right now. Not expecting yeah. young people to be adults, but equipping them to be d disciples of Jesus right mm. now. That's, well, ama that's amazing. Like, would you just share briefly about how that, that statement and that heart impacts how you are leading um, youth men here at One Hope? Mm. Well, I was thinking the other day that we're called to be children of God, not adults of God. <laughs> so they shouldn't be looking to us about what well, they should be, but they, we shouldn't be teaching them to, I guess, grow up and... Um, be these like mature, really prim and proper Christians um, so they can lead a really moral life, but rather teaching them in your context, in your situation, schools, part-time work, how can you be a Christ-like example to the people that you have influence in? I think there's from like infancy to 18, crucial years where um, they get to interact with people their age every day, like Monday to Friday, um, I think it would be, in hindsight, this might sound harsh, but a waste of time if we're not teaching them to be witnesses where they are right now. Hmm. I mean, I'm re hearing these guys' stories, I was so encouraged by that heart. Like, that's pretty, for me, I was just like, oh my goodness, that feels like a revelation, like God putting that in, in, our, in, in Jess's heart, just going like, oh, and I, I feel like that is such a blessed thing that we've got Jess and other young adults who are going, like that thing, like 
God, would you equip our teenagers and children now to follow you passionately and to to be serving in the mission field that the you know you've got them in, like in their school and in their part-time jobs and um, all those all those kind of things. Like that's that that's amazing. Um, Megan, go, going back to you. Um, a little while ago, you mentioned about how you felt like God had shown you something too, and it talked about the idea of like you, you being a constant presence in people's life um, versus God being a constant presence, presence in people's life. Would you share a bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I think like the Bible is pretty clear about this and also just like in general is that we can't be constant people in, our, in someone's life. Like if we're work, walking alongside someone and if we're pointing them to ourselves and not to God, then that's like kind of defeating the point of giving all the glory to our Heavenly Father, who is the only one who is really deserving of it at all. Um, but this is something that I think I was fortunate enough to realise the importance of depending on God from a young age. So just a little bit, I suppose, about my testimony and my heart um, with this is um, I was fortunate enough, my grandparents are Christian, so um, I didn't necessarily grow up going to church heaps every weekend, um, but every morning before and after school, I was pretty much at my grandparents' place, and when we were there, we would be singing songs of praise and worship and reading the word together and just praying, so it's like, as a kid, I just had this epic understanding of who God was, and I'm so, so thankful for that, but um, when I was about 10 years old, I feel like was the point in time where I really learned what it was to depend on God. Um, so at that point in my life, my parents got a divorce. Um, and I think like as a 10 year old kid, that's kind of just like your whole world is being like dismantled. And it was in this time there, like I could tell both my parents were hurting. It was a pretty messy situation. It wasn't just like a clean split um, or anything like that. But it was in that time where I just almost felt like I couldn't talk to them because I was like, if I'm going to talk to them and if I tell them how I'm actually feeling, it's just going to wreck them. So as a 10 year old kid, I was pretty much like, okay, God, like it's you and I, like we got this. Um, And it was just holding on to that unwavering hope that I'm like, by like your parents um, who are such pivotal and important figures in your life just feeling like you don't have that same relationship with them but just being learning what it was to be okay with that and to trust in God and that he is the only unchanging thing Um, and kind of to like really amplify my dependency on God when I was about 12 years old um, my mum left and she um, has since been like a registered missing person with no one seeing or hearing from her in over like nine and a half years and this was like a pretty I feel like as like the oldest of my three younger siblings and I like um, yeah it was a pretty like intense time I guess and just that dependency on God and learning to trust that like God has her and God has my siblings, God has my dad and like it's not my job to actually be for them to depend on me or for like me to think I can really depend on them when they're going through something that's so heartbreaking and would just absolutely um, yeah be grieving God's heart so um, yeah it was just like this really I suppose tumultuous time as a teenager and like a kid just having gone through a lot of family heartache that where God was just almost just brought me into his arms and was literally just like, Megan, it's okay when people disappoint you because I'm here. And like, it doesn't mean that he's not frustrated and you're not allowed to grieve those things. Like, it's so important to actually allow that to happen. Um, 
And so a revelation I've kind of just been having recently, particularly um, since starting this internship. So um, when I felt God placed it on my heart that this was something he wanted me to do, I was like, okay, God, like what area of ministry would you like me to do? And in my head, I was like, yeah, I'd be cool to do youth or like community outreach. And then God was like, kids men and I was like excuse me what <laughs> um like and I was like nah god like this can't be right um because I just had a heart that was like after I moved out I remember having um quite a few conversations with my younger sister being like I don't know if I ever want kids I can't look after people like I'm just I'm done I can't work with kids like it was just this time of being like so depleted after having so many years I suppose of looking after other people and just being um yeah almost like a mother figure in some way to that of my family like that's a big thing to say but um yeah I don't know just kind of having that responsibility and it was just something where I felt like I needed a break and when God put kids in on my heart I was like no Um, But I just really felt like over time he was just like, will you let your greatest hurt become your greatest ministry? And that is just something, like there's a difference between letting God take something and heal it, but then to let him take it and to actually use it as your greatest ministry requires a whole new level of vulnerability, a whole new level of obedience and a whole new level of healing. Like you need to be willing to say, I'm going to minister out of this place that makes me want to curl up into a bowl and cry every time. And it's like, we all have those places in our hearts that are so, like it just hurts to even think about it. But God just constantly like it's selfish of us to actually hold on to that when it's something he's going to use to bless his kingdom and that was just a conviction that was placed on my heart and I'm so in awe of the heart I have for children now I'm just like this is is only God I'm like the fact I look at these kids and I just have like I can't describe the amount of love I actually have for these kids and it's just like God's taken this and been like you may not have had a stable mother figure in your life you may not have had these things but hey you're you know what the importance of that is so I'm going to place you in that environment that's what I'm going to call you to do and so um it's definitely a journey that you have to work through with God there's um a verse in Deuteronomy that talks about how it's little by little that he'll drive the nations out before you it's not it's not all at once and you've got to be prepared to go in for the long haul so that was kind of yeah a big thing that was on my heart but um yeah Josh has a verse that I just wanted to read as well from um 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, um, and it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our compassion and the God of all of our comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we shall share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So... We need to be willing to let God use our sufferings and our hurts for his kingdom. So greatest ministry is your, oh, sorry, your greatest pain point is your greatest ministry. There you go. That's good. Now, Josh, you were also talking about how the last little while for you as like um, season has been a bit hard as well. Would you share briefly about that too, mate? Yeah. So I touched on last year. It was like I was floating. There was nothing, nothing like, nothing really easy about the year, nothing really hard. It was a good challenge and I like moved out of home and got an independent faith and then yeah a life decision about job like which job to choose and like where to move to and a few other things came together and I just started getting in this habit of just thinking through it all um trying to like work out decisions like is this job or is this job right how do I make this decision and just yeah tangling myself myself up in trying to think through it all and 
Um, yeah, in the last bit, I've just decided to choose faith. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. I love that statement. Like, I want to I wanna choose faith. And so what does, what does choosing faith look like for you day to day? Yeah, so um, I guess in that, in that tangling myself up and, um, yeah, in the thinking through it all, um, I just, I've learned that it's not for me to try and work out God or to work out um, what God wants for me to do and, like, think through it. And I, I keep getting myself um, tangled up into this. I get to the end of my thoughts. I'm trying to comprehend um, and understand all of this. And, yeah, to choose faith is to just understand when I'm in that, in the end of my thoughts and my thoughts end and I'm in this space of cluelessness to remember that that's not how this works. I know big MJ, Matt Jacoby, comes up here and just says, you can't grasp God, but you can be grasped by God. And so I'm learning that choosing faith looks like I won't see it all. Um, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And when I got baptised and I was 16, I remember standing up here and just having like, uh, explaining that, the world looks all dark all around, but you get God to shine a light on about a metre out in front of you mm. and you just get to see that, see what he wants for you right now. And so I think choosing faith looks like sitting in the quiet stillness, letting God speak rather than me trying to think, me trying to um, understand it all. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. There's a real reassurance and... Um security that comes from that isn't it like it's counterintuitive to go like oh the more I let go the more I can feel secure in what God has for me now Jess um you you fall like when I was describing um growing up in a Christian family versus growing up in a non-Christian family like you know you fall into that second category and so you know I know you're the like you're flying solo in your family would you just give us a brief snapshot of um what your family's like yeah, so um, my mum and dad are pretty awesome, Dean and Frank. They have a really beautiful marriage built on, like, a foundation of friendship. They're really funny. Um, <laughs> they had me 20 years ago and thought our offspring's pretty great. So they, I think they were all decisions. They decided to have three more. So I'm the oldest of four. Um, and, yeah, growing up, I was sort of taught that God and Jesus was real they they said he was real and I went to a Catholic school um so yeah I learned about them but I was taught they were real in amongst lots of other religions um so it was quite an agnostic point of view on life but they always encouraged us that our faith was our choice um going to a Catholic school I really wanted to get baptized so I could drink the wine with my friends so when we went to mass <laughs> well that was so cool and they were always encouraging of like, if you want to choose to get baptised when you're older, Jess, you can. Um, so, yeah, I didn't make a decision to uh, follow Jesus as the only way, the truth and life until I was 14. Um, and, yeah, they've been really supportive of that decision. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's in your heart that they'd move from, you know, that difference of being supportive and encouraging you in whatever you want to actually coming to that, um, you know, that revelation of, like, that God wants to be a part of their lives as much as he's a part of your life too. And, you know, tell us a bit about, um, you know, what you feel like God has shown you about how he's hardwired you um, for, you know, living out the gospel. Mm, yeah. I, I This past week actually had a bit of a moment where, 
I was thinking, like, I'm the only Christian in my family. I really, you can have those moments where you feel so alone in that, like, just crying out to God, like, why am I by myself? Like, having a big sob to Jesus, <laughs> oh my. Um, and God sort of just pointed out to me, I've got fellowship with a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. Like, on an outside perspective, it might look like I'm alone, but I'm in deeper relationship than I could be with if I wasn't a Christian. Um, so, yeah, my heart is that my parents and my siblings would come to know the freedom that Christ gives, the peace and the love and the healing that he brings. So, yeah, just praying that their eyes would just be open um, and their hearts would be softened to just, like, how much life and potential God gives us. Um, but, yeah, it was funny the a few weeks ago we had an interns prayer night where a group of elders um came to the spices household and prayed for all of us interns and we got a opportunity to share with the elders a bit of like our passions um for the kingdom and our passions for god and i remember one of the elders in particular praying like they were like lord we just released this really obvious gift of evangelism over jess and I was like, obvious? I didn't know that. <laughs> what do you mean, obvious? Um, so since then, I feel like God's been really, um, yeah, showing me and leading me in a spiritual gift of evangelism um, and growing my heart to just see the kingdom of God grow in number, see souls saved. That's great. That's great. Hey, I'm going to invite you. Um, why don't we stand up? And we're going to invite the music team back up. And uh, why don't you put your hands together for these guys? Would you please?